morning. It's time for Awaken with Dr. Joe and Mark Hullcraft. Awaken airs the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with the executive director of Real Presence Radio, Mark Hullcraft, and his brother, Dr. Joe Hullcraft, professor and director of the High Calling Program at the Avila Institute. Together with a mix of national and local personalities, connecting examples in church history, contemporary relevance, and lively witness of the saints, Mark and Joe will share how the Holy Spirit is working to awaken in all of us a deeper sense of what we are made for, a life in Christ. Good morning and welcome to Real Presence Radio's Awaken. I'm your host this morning, Mark Holcraft, joined by my brother, Joe Holcraft. Good morning, Joe. Morning, brother. How are you? Good. Good. Thank you. How about you? I am doing well this beautiful Wednesday morning. Looking forward to this discussion on uh, finding Jesus in the temple. One of those passages, Mark, that I think think have perplexed a lot of people through the years. So certainly as we take up this this new wave of examining and, and contemplating and reflecting upon our Lord's questions, we are given the beautiful opportunity to look at this first question. This is the very, the very first question he asks. And really, there's two questions there in the finding of Jesus in the temple. But um, we thought it was fitting, right, Mark, to explore the first question of the God-man in this uh, perplexing, yet, Mark, I dare say, beautiful narrative of finding Jesus in the temple. Absolutely, Joe. And, and, and there's there's so much packed in here, not just on the scripture, but packed into today. Today is October 13th. This is a special day for anybody who pays attention to Our Lady, right? Uh, yeah. And so hmm. um, today we'll be taking, I, I, you know, I want to say a unique look. It's not unique, I don't think. <laughs> but certainly we're going to be looking at the scripture to the best of our ability and asking for the intercession of of the same lady, Our Lady of the Sun, you know, Our Lady of Fatima. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to ask for her intercession as we take a look at this scripture and not just take a look, but pray with it. And so mm-hmm. all good things, starting with prayer, let's pray, Joe. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, we thank you for the gift of this day. We thank you for the gift of this mother that you've given to us in Mary. We ask that you would allow your Holy Spirit to guide us, to enter into us, to wash over us, that we can be enlightened and come to know you in a more profound way and allow ourselves to be known by you in a more profound way through the study and reflection of the scripture. Mother Mary, please intercede for each of us, all of our listeners. Surround each of us with the mantle of your grace and protection, and insight. Mary, as you pondered these things that occurred to you, please intercede for us and help us to ponder these things anew as well. We pray all this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Joe, you went there. Uh, There's no sneak peek at it, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And that's good. That's good. So uh, for our listeners... I'd like to read the passage that we're going to discuss this morning as we look at these questions. These are the first questions that we see recorded in the scripture of Jesus. And this is taken from the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 52. Each year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to festival custom. After they had completed its days, as they were returning, the boy Jesus remained behind in Jerusalem 
but his parents did not know it. Thinking that he was in the caravan, they journeyed for a day and looked for him among their relatives and acquaintances. But not finding him, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you with great anxiety. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus advanced in wisdom and age and favor before God and man. Amen. Amen. So, Joe, I mean, let's unpack this. There's so many thoughts going on. I think the human side of me as a father and as a husband and uh, also as a son, I mean, there's so many angles and perspectives we can look at from uh, from one lens and into the other. Yeah, I think the first thing to say here, Mark, off the top is that <laughs> uh, you know, I get the question asked all the time. I, I don't know about you. At least I did when I was doing radio for 14 years when when this conversation came up, uh, the first thing brought up was always, Joe, how in the world did Mary and Joseph lose Jesus and, and for perspective, right, lose God? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you do that? Um, and I, Benedict Sixteenth makes a point that I want to read, Mark, and kind of we can reflect with because it's really essential that we understand the text here for what it is. His first point is this, that the word for caravan, the Greek word tra- uh, translates as a pilgrim community. And as Benedict suggests, this certainly gives us some insight into uh, the very real historical aspect of what is going on in this narrative, which is to say, you read, Mark, that it was custom for them to go up to Jerusalem during Passover, right? And, and that it was. That yep, it was yep. Every year, annually, you'd go to, you travel to Jerusalem for the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, uh, Passover. Um, so, he was of age, right? He was 12 years old. Jesus would be traveling with the faithful Jews who were Joseph and Mary. So, um, now, this whole idea of pilgrim community, this traveling caravan, uh, women and men would leave Jerusalem at different times, and they would travel uh, together in groups. So uh, women would probably leave a little bit earlier as the men would stay back, and then the men would go. What was normal and what Benedict highlights is that it wasn't uncommon for boys in these pilgrim communities, in these traveling caravans, to kind of hang back and, and to be playing with the other boys. We have to remember something, Mark, that Jesus, while he's fully divine, is fully human, right? And Jesus um, played <laughs> like every other 12-year-old, right? He stubbed his toe like every other 12-year-old. Uh, he was a 12-year-old boy. So, um, it would have been uh, very real and uh, very human for him to be hanging out with his friends. And this is the point that Benedict makes, and I, and I love this point. Given our perhaps uniquely, uh, unduly narrow image of the Holy Family, we find this surprising, and here he's talking about losing Jesus. But it illustrates very beautifully that in the Holy Family, freedom and obedience were combined in a healthy manner. 
The 12-year-old was free to spend time with friends and children of his own age and to remain in their company during the journey. Naturally, his parents expected to see him when evening came. So what happens? Well, he wasn't with his friends when evening came, Mark. Um, and so after a day of heading north, they then probably retraced their, step, the, uh, their steps the second day to eventually find him in their father's house on the third day. But to the question, how do you lose the God-man? I think Benedict XVI answers the question. There is a very um, healthy dialogue between freedom and obedience, right? Uh, It would have been natural, and this is important because he's fully human, it would have been natural for him to be hanging back with his uh, 12-year-old friends. And yet, this does, uh, I think, mark... Across uh, a threshold for us in understanding who Jesus is, at least it did for Joseph, uh, Joseph and Mary, as we will discuss. They were made to, to ponder all these very dramatic events in their heart. The other key point here, Mark, with respect to the, the losing Jesus for three days, is that this certainly providentially anticipates and foreshadows another event that I think all of our listeners are aware of when you hear three days. For sure. Uh, that is, the, the three days of profound darkness that humanity experienced um, from the cross to the resurrection. And so what Mary, experienced, uh, Mary and Joseph are experiencing in this narrative, and really they're first to experience the, the pangs of this darkness, um, this is what humanity experiences, uh, what... 20 years later, 21 years later. So, we have to see this as uniquely historical and at the same time, Mark, um, uh, that which is providential, right? So, with respect to the losing of of the God-man three days, there is a very clear explanation, and and I think it's one that's uh, worth pondering. So, that's a little bit of, of, of Benedict the Sixteenth in, in response to that question and, and better understanding what's going on here. Well, I, I appreciate the insight. You know, I, to say I appreciate the insight, that, <laughs> that doesn't say enough. You know, Pope Benedict, thanks for the insight. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> no, but, but he is helping us unveil layers here, too. You know, uh, he said something similar that I just ran across recently. Um, I think some of our listeners might recognize the name, Father Andrew Apostoli. I know you do, Joe. Yeah, uh, one of yeah. the uh, Franciscan friars uh, with Father Benedict Rochelle. Yeah, um, CFRs. Yeah, with the CFRs. He, he treats this, um, and I really, I appreciate it. it. Just It's not just the humanity, because I think sometimes we say, you know, we treat the humanity of it almost as if it's a downside or the smaller side of Jesus. But when, in reality, it's dignifying our humanity when we recognize, just as you said, fully divine and fully human. You know, this should be a sign of hope for us, not a belittling or that Jesus comes down to us. Yes, he came down to us, but to come to understand, you know, uh, this is a good thing of our humanity. You know, I I worked with teenagers, as you know, for over 20 years in youth ministry. And there's something here that I find very encouraging as a parent, as a dad, you know, as a husband, you know, whose wife is sometimes asking questions, you know, uh, Sure. Regarding boys, you know, just the reality. No, he was out playing with his friends, you know, and let's, let's call it for what it is, Joe. It's a road trip. I mean, when your kids yeah, know yeah. you guys are going on a road trip, they get excited. 
you know, road trip, yeah. let's oh, do yeah. it, you know, and, <laughs> and we're excited, you know, and you take a couple of days to figure out what you're going to pack. And, um, this was, this was a regular part of their life. As you said, they knew what they were going to pack. They knew what they needed to bring. They knew it was a religious observance. Uh, just as you said, it was a pilgrimage, uh, to go into Jerusalem. Um, this was, this is what the family did. And it wasn't just the three of them. This is just, as you said, this, they're with their cousins or with their family, extended family, um, and even some of the, and I think some of our listeners have heard this before, but that understanding of and relating, you know, Jesus had no siblings. And yet when in that interaction with his cousins, his cousins within that familial connection were like his siblings. So mm-hmm. he's close to his cousins. Uh, all these things, uh, they portray the human family and it dignifies the human family. This is what Jesus lived in. And so that he was gone all day. I think of our, you know, our kids, if they're going to go out into the woods, they're gone most of the day. What brings them back? They're hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, it could mm-hmm. have been something very simple. Jesus was hungry. He came back. Yeah. You know, I can hear a lot of the moms and dads. Oh, what brings them back? Food. That's what, you know, they want food. Yeah. They'll come back. You know, that's when they'll talk to mom and dad. And I think sometimes we belittle humanity. And it might be, you know, humorous and true enough on the one hand. But I take a lot of consolation in that what brought Jesus back? Probably because he was hungry, but also because it was the end of the day. Also because at nighttime it was it was it would be potentially dangerous on pilgrimage. You know they're not staying up at a Holiday Inn. You know they're mm-hmm. they're stopping in. Uh, they might put up a tent on their way in this pilgrimage, or they might stay with family and friends along the way. Um, so it's a very relatable setting and setup. And so as you said, how does Jesus get lost? I have been asked that from teenagers. No, okay, you know, and it's usually more of a sarcastic or, you know, not to paint teenagers in a negative way, but, but truly, you know, more of a sarcastic, like, all right, God was lost and we're supposed to believe in him, you know, or, you know, kind of joking. But at the same time, it's like, just as you pointed out, Joe, when we take a look at that, take a deeper look, okay, like he got lost. How often, I don't know about you, Joe, uh, I know I'm not, I'm not exactly proud of it, but we just left one of our kids at a friend's house because Meredith thought I took him and I thought Meredith took Michael, you know, poor Michael. Mm-hmm. He just got, mm-hmm. he got left. Was he phased? No. He was at a friend's house. He was fine. He eventually called us right when we got home. Said, Hey, uh, you guys both leave? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we yeah. did. Yeah. And, I, and it, just as you had indicated, it's something very similar. Am I saying it's okay to forget our kids? No. But, no one did anything wrong. And I think that's yeah. one of the core things here, Joe, is, you know, we, we have this visual of the saints and of Jesus, and you forgot Jesus. That was wrong. Like, no one did anything wrong. Yeah. But now they're concerned, right? And now we enter into this newness. And, Joe, I, I think of one of the seven sorrows of Mary. I think one of the seven sorrows of Mary was having lost his, her child yeah. for, for three days. And so it's interesting how... The Catholic Church takes some of these great images in Scripture and not just, you know, makes it, gives it a place of reverence for religious observance, but we're entering into the life of Jesus and Mary. This Mm -hmm. is one of her sorrows. Mm -hmm. So we start to take it from another lens, and I don't think it's a stretch or hard to see as a parent. Oh my gosh, Joe, if I've, you know... I've, I've grown nervous when I don't know where one of my kids is after five or 10 minutes, particularly when they're young. When they're 12 years old, it yeah. might be a different concern. And if you sure. don't know where they are, nonetheless, 
um, that's that's just a few. You know, an hour goes by, you start you start thinking the worst. Unfortunately, as a parent, and maybe that's where the anxiety goes to another level on, a, on an unhealthy place. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you know, Mark, as as Jesus was never lost, like technically he's he's in the yeah. temple. He knows where he's and, at. He's doing his thing. This it's is Mary. a great point. This is okay. Yeah. You keep going. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's Mary and Joseph who obviously don't do don't find him, um, and and we'll certainly get into why Jesus is in the temple and what he's doing. But you're raising a very important point with respect to darkness. I know in our our pregame huddle we were talking about um, our own experiences as parents. Um, I I um, took my two oldest, Colby and Avila, back to California for a wedding last year, and. I could not find Avalon. It was the most concrete experience I've ever had in my life, and that is no exaggeration, with, <laughs> uh, with a, a darkness where it was just, I, I, it was out of my control. There's nothing I could do, right? And lo and behold, and, and I, I invited uh, <laughs> our brother and sister-in-law into this darkness, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tom Mercedes, because we we were at a wedding, and we were on the third floor of this building that was a maze. That was the other puzzling thing about it. Um, and ultimately, we just—she eventually came back. She was in a separate room. But for like 20 minutes, we were in a, a panic. We were in a frenzy. And in a, in a flash, I was—I actually thought about Mary's experience um, mm. because of what I was experiencing. And it was a profound sense of— we use the word darkness, I think, loosely, Mark, a profound sense of, of failure, um, not being able to control something that you should be able to control. Uh, and, and I think, Mark, really, that begins to get underneath what is um, going on in this narrative. And, and this is what I mean. You know, in Jesus, in his questions, um, you know, why were, were you looking for me? Did you not know I would be in my father's house? This, um, this was not, Mark, uh, some, uh, some rebuking, but um, it, it, was, it was the boy Jesus instructing his, his earthly parents, right? Right. Um, and so, why do I say this is really what lies at the heart of this passage? Because in the end, Mark... Um, and this is what we are made to reflect upon that during this time, during this year that's devoted to St. Joseph, is that uh, Joseph in particular, as well, of course, Mary and, and, and who she is, are earthly shadows of heavenly realities, right? So, uh, we, <laughs> the, the boy Jesus is subordinate to uh, Joseph and Mary, of course, but first and foremost to God the Father, Right, and so there I was in my own experience of being without, in its most literal sense, not being able to find my daughter, who eventually came back. I went to my knees and prayed, "Lord, bring her back." And ultimately, in that time, I was made to understand the centrality of of who I am, and that is, uh, yes, I'm an, I'm her earthly father, but God the Father, um, she belongs to you. Right. And, and I think this is where this passage goes and certainly what we're going to be reflecting into for the remainder of our time. Absolutely. Joe, thanks for the insight. We do got to take a break. Uh, when we come back from the break, uh, I, I want to pick up a little bit where you left off. And uh, it was made, you were made to ask a question, who, whose are you and who do you belong? Yeah. 
You know, and I think those are great questions for us when we come back from the break. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more after this short coffee break. You're listening to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. SMP Health System and our health care ministries in North Dakota will have new names on October 1st. It's all part of a rebranding effort to reinforce our identity and common mission to provide compassionate and personal care in the Catholic tradition, as was begun in North Dakota by the Sisters of Mary of the Presentation over 100 years ago. For more information, you can visit our website at smphs.org or find us on Facebook. This is Father Pfeiffer of the Diocese of Fargo just reflecting on marriage between one man and one woman initiated in the mind and the heart of God for procreation, for unity, and fidelity. When a man and a woman approach the altar, they're asking God the Father's blessing. As they ask God the Father's blessing upon their marriage, the man and the woman complement each other as the woman becomes the heart and the man the head of the marriage, just as the head and the heart work together in our own bodies. There's three ways that a woman will become the heart through nurturing, nourishing, and nesting the home front, where the man complements as the head the four Ps, to protect, to provide, to push for excellence, and to become men of prayer. How is your marriage doing in these three areas? How can you help others to see the significance of marriage in the eyes of God? Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Download it today and see what you've been missing. Welcome back to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now back to more lively, faith-filled conversation with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Great to be back with you. This is Mark Holcraft in the Fargo studio, talking to my brother, Dr. Joseph Holcraft, joining us from Ohio, uh, as is his usual landscape when we're talking and doing Awaken. Uh, Joe, when we left off before the break, we talked about... Um, you were made to ask that question in the example that you used when just for a few minutes, uh, 20 minutes, you were without uh, your daughter and just wondering, okay, where is mm-hmm. she? Um, and, and you just were put down on your knees and you just, you asked the Lord, I would dare say you're probably begging the Lord, please bring her back. You know, there's mm-hmm. such a feeling of desperation, but in that desperation, you're, you're made to see, and it isn't just you, I think in these moments in general, and as parents, we're made to see whose we are and who we belong to and whose is not, who do we not belong to, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so it definitely, it's just, it's a humbling place to be. Uh, I wanted to pick up on that. And after that, Joe, I wanted to talk about, because you, you briefly referred to um, Jesus' response. You yeah. know, when he said, why were you looking yeah. for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? I want to come back to that. But uh, I wouldn't mind wrapping up that point, too, of whose we are. Yeah, and it's it's to maybe even turn the phrase around a little bit, Mark, to understand who we are is to understand whose we are, right? Mm-hmm. Which is to say yeah. uh, we put a priority on 
um, the fact that we are first and foremost sons and daughters of God, right? Uh, I, I speak of Joseph and Mary as, uh, you know, earthly shadows, if you will. Uh, but at the same time, uh, what we are made to understand is, first and foremost, for, for you and I and all of our listeners, Mark, that uh, <laughs> no matter what our blood ties are, uh, there is a priority on the fact that um, we call God, God, God the Father, right? And because in the end, uh, our first vocation, that which gives shape and form to every other vocation in what we say and do, is that we call God Father, that we cry, Abba, Father. This is the great claim of St. Paul in Romans eight fifteen, And so the boy Jesus says, <laughs> Of, of course I am about my father's business. Um, of course I am in my father's house. Where else could I be, really? And so, um, in this road trip, Mark, as, as you call it, uh, th- this was one of revelation. You know, road trips are, are trips of revelation. This is, why, this is why we love them, because we explore, we gain new insights as we go down new avenues and new roads. Um, you know, for the Holy Family of Nazareth, and in particular, um, for all of humanity that, that have now gained insight into this particular road trip, we are made to see that, that what is revealed in this moment is what is at the core of our faith. Because, again, as you were hinting at, if we're going to understand who we are, we must first understand whose we are, which is to say we first belong to God the Father. Right? This is what it's about. From from the beginning of creation, you know, he had us in mind. And if we're going to understand uh, the, the fullness of what that means, we have to allow God in. And we do this by being about the Father's business, being in the Father's house. Uh, there's no better place to be. And it does not uh, demote, you know, any other vocation as much as it brings understanding into everything that we do by way of vocation. So this, again, becomes really uh, um, of the highest priority to, to reflect upon and to, and to meditate and to contemplate, because otherwise we just we go about our day and uh, there's no real spiritual trajectory to what we're doing. But in light of calling God Abba, Father, in light of being in the Father's house, ah, yes, this is, this is what we need to be paying close attention to. And I'm going to use it as a segue, Joe, and that's just it. So Jesus says, and, it, and it's so important for us to not separate ourselves, right? Like right now, we're, we are being asked and invited, our listeners, we're being invited to see not just what did Jesus say, but to put ourselves uh, right there in that temple with Jesus and to, to imitate this. He says, why were you looking for me? Uh, and this is, of course, this is after uh, Mary says to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you with great anxiety. Mom and dad are on the same page here. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Other translations, Joe, and we talked about this briefly, would say, Did you not know I must be about my father's business? Mm-hmm. You know, and, you, and you just said this, you know, to be mm-hmm. about the father's business. This is what we're all called to. So I don't think we're meant to separate ourselves. Let's not intellectualize this, that we remove ourselves. Because I think we do that. Like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. we remove ourselves. Yeah. That's a good story. And um, this isn't necessarily the purpose uh, of this sacred scripture. We want to be brought in. 
We're in the temple right now. We just heard this conversation unfold in front of all the teachers. Were Joseph and Mary a little bit intimidated? Were they a little bit uh, embarrassed to admit they lost their son? Well, not so much. Not I think in that culture and time, as we've already explained here, Joe, not so much. But then, but then, what does this mean of Jesus' response? You know, in his first and not as we've talked about before, not unlike typical Hebrew culture, his first answer is in a question, a couple of questions. You know, why were you looking for me? You know, I know what I have. The question I haven't asked is, you know, hey, if Jesus is perfect and he gets to back talk to his parents, <laughs> what's happening there? It's like, uh, no, no, but, but it's a great question because I think a lot of times our human experience would lead us to say, oh, Jesus was throwing down some attitude. Like, well, and, and, and Mark, I'll just qu- quickly interject because what you're saying is really important right now. And, and it's a, it's it's a point of departure for many people because it leads to mm-hmm. confusion. Yes, and that's why I say this is this is not a rebuke, but more of an instruction. Well, he's asking a question, but this is how rabbis instructed, right? This is yeah. Jewish culture, and so okay, this is a part of to diving into question. Yeah, to 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 go into the literal sense. He's not rebuking; he's instructing, and and we know this because just a few verses later. What happens, right, he goes back to Joseph and Mary, and he grows in, in, in obedience, wisdom, obedience, and stature. Yep. So, even, even Joseph and Mary um, are, are in the process of understanding. As much as Mary has been given this, um, you know, in, infused knowledge of, of salvation, she still has a choice there's still a process of understanding. She doesn't know everything, right? Clearly, she doesn't know everything because otherwise she wouldn't have, quote-unquote, lost him for three days or, or have fallen into this darkness. But ultimately, to the point here, Mark, and I think it's really important, is that there is an instruction going on, and the context is uh, <laughs> this instruction is about uh, the Father's business and that and this should be hopeful for us, right? That even Joseph and Mary, even Joseph and Mary, um, can receive receive instruction in this particular context. And this isn't in contrast, or, or, or this isn't in competition um, with who they are as parents. Because again, a few verses later, he goes back with them, and he grows in wisdom, obedience, and stature. I mean, obviously, uh, Joseph and Mary doing something right here. And this, yeah, and this is the yes. flip side. But keep going, Joe, because we can come back to that in a minute. Yeah, well, it, it's 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 to highlight the importance of of what is taking place in the exchange, not a rebuke, but an instruction. And at the same time, I, I would dare suggest it's an affirmation of who they are as parents, right? Um, Absolutely. Clearly, they've instructed him in the law because they're going to Jerusalem. They're 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 fulfilling their their Jewish duties, but but at the same time. Uh, and this is why it's so important at the age of 12, he's now entering into something new, which is um, a, a taste mark of what uh, they will come to know, uh, at least Mary, especially 18 years later, right, as he, as he begins his, his public ministry. Um, so, well, very important there. Yeah. I think it is very important, too, just from the perspective, you know, when we, when we hear of a young person, you know, he's he's borderline teenager, uh, a borderline teenager 2,000 years ago is going to encounter life in society, I think, to some ways different, but in, to some ways uh, the same. 
you know, in that th- their anatomy, their point in life where they're growing up, the self-discovery, um, in the sense of starting to grow independent and not independent in that I want to be out from underneath my, my parents' roof, uh, per se, is independent in that he's starting to think for himself, Joe. We see he's starting to demonstrate a maturity in thought, as you mm-hmm. just said, this critical thinking. This mm-hmm. is good. This should, this should be a point of hope for us. But I think as parents, we get scared. I didn't teach mm-hmm. my kid that. Where are they getting that from? Well, sometimes that can be a scary thing, depending on what they're saying. Um, but the, a deeper level and layer, not to get into so much the psychology of it, is. but there is something to be said about really um, created by God. This is a part of the acting out the development of God's creativity as a son or daughter of God. You know, mm-hmm. starting to unfold with this deeper thought, uh, a little more complex thinking. Um, but I think there's something here too. And so why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? There's a conversation here, Joe. As mm-hmm. you said, it's not a rebuttal. Yes, I think Joseph and Mary are learning. They're learning how to parent. How often, you know, this, again, it can be a scary thing. I think sometimes we read into it, we misunderstand its meaning in the sense of our kids do teach us how to parent. But sure. it's not that they're parenting us. You know, and, and I think there's a distinction here because there are a lot of times when, as observers, we might know, oh, gosh, who's the parent there? And then we get tempted to judge, you know, but we can see that. Um, but our kids do certainly teach us. I can think of times, you know, uh, having six kids, I think of my oldest in particular, when he was younger, there are definitely times he asked questions within a conversation. And I, I, I might be a little bit more heated, but I was able to recognize by God's grace, he's not talking back to me. He's, he, he wants to know, like, he's digging a little deeper. He, he, he's not even thinking. You know, Thomas, in this case, he wasn't even thinking of trying to get under my skin, as the saying goes, or to, to, to bug me or to get an extra dig. Um, a lot of times, he was just asking the question to just really know but in the heat of the moment, you know, our passions get fired up. We don't always see clearly. We think there's a back talk uh, at work there. And look what Mary does, Joe, right after. You know, but yeah. they did not understand what he said to them, which, let's face it, as parents, when we don't understand what they're saying, that's when we think they're yeah. back talking to us. Yeah. Um, but then uh, he goes, or she, what do we see here? He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. When I and his mother kept all these things in her heart, Mary shows us this disposition to listen. She wasn't reacting. She wasn't overreacting. She wasn't reacting too quickly to what Jesus said. Uh, she just took it in her heart, which meant she was listening. Mm-hmm. And she, was, I'm sure, was asking Abba, as you said earlier, asking Abba, what does this mean? And it can only, on so many levels, right? And that's where, that's where we, we could dig into the mystery. And we ourselves could take that same disposition to ponder, what does this mean? Um, but that's, that, that caught my attention is Mary is a model for us and how to listen, you know, to even to give it a little bit of time, not just in the heat of the moment, but even the bigger picture, what does this mean? And I find, I find that profound. It, well, it really is Mark. And, and you're making an excellent point with respect to, you know, how our children help us to be, be better parents. And yeah, maybe they're not just talking back, but they themselves want to be understood. Uh, as you highlight this response, Mary's response, Mark, it's very intentional. So um, when Mary keeps these things in her heart, 
She's <clears throat> the Greek is symboling. Uh, she's pondering. She's weighing back and forth. She's bringing together. Uh, she already, you know, here we are at the end of chapter two of the Gospel of Luke. Quite a bit has already happened, right? So <laughs> as she's keeping these events in her heart, it's just not the fact that she's lost her son for three days. Uh, she knows that uh, the, the boy Jesus before her um, <laughs> was, is God, right? So, I mean, uh, she's, she's not only thinking about the, the, the three days of darkness for her, per se, but also everything that has led up to that, including the Incarnation. She's weighing back and forth. She's pulling it all together in light of what she knows so that she might better understand this moment. And what she teaches us, Mark, as, as parents is, yes, uh, we need to listen so as to better understand because you can't understand without listening. But at the same time, as you do that, understanding demands our attention. Uh, it, one can say <laughs> you're getting a... a, a um, cardiac readout, if you will, of Mary here. Uh, You don't get this kind of readout of anyone else other than Jesus himself. And why would Luke give us this Marian cardiac readout? Because ultimately, he wants us to see that the best way uh, to understand is to listen and to uh, ponder, reflect, enter into the virtue of recollection, asking the questions, what is the meaning of this moment? How is it so Lord, what do you uh, uh, what do you want me to see in this moment? Uh, these were questions I was asking on a much smaller, smaller scale, if you will, with respect to um, when Avila was had, was gone for twenty minutes, right? Because I, as a father, you know, I just kind of thought the worst, and you know, okay, Lord, what what is this all about? And even when she came, when I found her, did my ref- did my reflections become more acute? Right? It, suddenly, yeah, I'm. I'm not as in control as I thought. Yeah. Lord, what is what is the meaning of this moment? I was made to ponder, to weigh back and forth, you know, to bring together. And this is the Greek mark. mark. The actual translation of the symbolane is bringing together by virtue of a med- of meditating or or pondering. Um, and if we if we can do that, if we can respond to to the kinds of situations that we find ourselves in. Uh, in that way, we are well on our way as sons and daughters of God. Joe, I, I want to give a one-minute teaser. You know, earlier we discussed ever so briefly, and this I say one-minute teaser because we got one minute till our break. Um, it's ever so briefly because there, there's a unique connection, very simple, short, in regards to, you know, we're talking about Mary pondering. Fast forward 1,900 years because we're on October 13th. And before we hit our break, because when we come back, uh, I know we want to dive into our saint um, and I'm sure wrap up some things regarding Mary. But regarding Mary, you know, it's 104 years ago that uh, three visionaries in Fatima, right, mm. see Mary and then Francisco, uh, Lucia and Jacinta. And they see uh, it's, it's the great event of the day the sun danced. Right, and that, mm-hmm. that's what today, on one hand, commemorates of October thirteenth. Um, but there's, you know, everyone saw every. You know, there was ten thousand plus people there. They saw the miracle of the sun. You know, in, in, in a day of great. I mean, I'm sure 
mean, an incredible miracle. Yeah. Uh, but one of the pieces, one of the visuals I want to send off our listeners just into the break that not everyone saw, but the three visionaries did is mm-hmm. St. Joseph in the sky holding the child Jesus with baby mm-hmm. Jesus blessing the whole world. Mm-hmm. Um, a little snippet to who our saint is when we come back. So stay mm-hmm. with us. You've made the right choice to listen to Awaken. Stay with us. There's much more to come after this short break. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. As a DRE, I am grateful for the many faith-based learning opportunities provided to us on Real Presence Radio. I find something of value in all the programs, and I encourage anyone involved in their parish's religious education program to listen to Real Presence Radio. Your time will never be wasted, and the valuable information you will receive that you in turn then will pass on to the children you catechize will be blessed and of great merit. I have been Catholic all my life. I love the Church. Real Presence Radio has given me courage and confidence to share my faith. It's a great tool for education and evangelization. There is so much to learn about this wonderful Church. We need the prayers of the angels and saints to assist us in doing God's will. I want to financially support Real Presence Radio so it can continue to fulfill its mission. If Real Presence Radio was not on the air, it would be like losing a trusted friend. On October 1st, SMP Health System and our healthcare ministries in North Dakota are changing our names to better reflect our Catholic identity and our unity as a healthcare system. We will continue to provide the same compassionate and personal care to our patients and residents in the spirit of the Sisters of Mary of the Presentation, whose first hospital in North Dakota opened over 100 years ago. Visit us at smphs.org for more information. Thanks for starting your day with us. Now, back to more Awaken, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Welcome back to Awaken. I just left us with the visual of the great miracle of the sun, uh, October 13th, 2017, so 104 years ago. Mary uh, appears to these three children. Mean, uh, Mark, I think you mean 1917? Did I say 2017? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, 1917. Uh, thanks for the correction, Joe. Sure. <laughs> I was grooving, man. I was grooving. I would have. <laughs> no. I would have loved to be there four years ago, man. Oh. <laughs> uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. I mean, so that this, but this is a great miracle. This is this is a great story. Even you know, this is a story that continues to, to need to be told. You know, not mm. just of, of Fatima. Um, and and I'm, I am sure in one of our future episodes, Joe, we will. <laughs> yeah, because uh, sure. it's too great of a story. But for right now. What what stood out to me was this brief glimpse because this is so so the role of Saint Joseph and this is the saint we want to discuss this morning, you know uh, Saint Joseph. We've already kind of hinted at him, but even in this great apparition in 1917, uh, what is it? Is it they saw the three visionaries. So not even everybody, 
It's just the three, Saul, St. Joseph, and this guy holding child Jesus with Christ's blessing the whole world. Uh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> um, but this is Amen. it. Even in Scripture, Joe, it, it's, 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 Joseph is so behind the scenes. You know, mm-hmm. and so we, this, you know, we've been digging into Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 52. Um, and really, the reference that we know, okay, with Joseph being present, uh, when his parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us, your father and I? Besides referring to parents, that's, we, that's one of the few references. Okay, we know Joseph is on the scene, and he's in the scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet, what does that show, what it reveals? And I gave a quick snippet earlier. Mom and dad are on the same page, Joe. Joseph and Mary were on the same page. They were yeah. both concerned. They both have been looking uh, with great anxiety, Mary says. Um, and worth noting, too, you know, we say if Mary is sinless, but she was anxious, isn't anxiety a sin? You know, and so I, all these, these little questions that pop up, like, again, that we can walk away confused. Um, but in this, we, no, like in this case, this, this anxiety uh, is not a sin. It is born of the deepest human and that creativity of God, being a, creati- being a creation of God, is born of the deepest, deepest human emotion in regards to her maternal role and his yeah. paternal role. Yeah. You know, yep. they are responsible. They've been given the task. Mm-hmm. And there's a concern that did I not do what I was supposed to be doing? And you were sharing earlier just this sense of, you know, as a, as a dad, I should have a certain sense of control of this. Mm-hmm. And you're feeling mm-hmm. desperate and not in control. Um, and so, the, just as you were sharing, that prayer comes from the deepest place. It, it uh, does. It does. It, yeah, and Mark, something to note as you bring up anxiety. Anxiety is, is not despair, Right. Um, because those are two different realities, yeah, and, I, and I think it's yeah, and it's right for you to to, to highlight um, the anxiety. You know, Mark, the, the your father and I, right? Uh, while he is an earthly shadow of the heavenly father, uh, Joseph um, is foster father and has a profound role. Uh, even going back to the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, we have to remember, and this gets lost a lot of people too, I think it certainly did for me for a long time. Uh, how does the Gospel of Matthew open? Does it open with repent and believe the good news? Does it open with um, you know, a Sermon on the Mount? No, that's Matthew 5. Does, does it open with some great exhortation to, to be this, this great Christian? Uh, no. It opens with the son of Abraham, the son of David. And, it, and then right. it gives this, in the Hebrew, what's called a toledot, it's a genealogy. How does it end? Well, <laughs> with Joseph, right? Who's the husband of Mary, of course, uh, who's the mother of Jesus. Matthew wanted all of his readers, wanted his Palestinian Christian Jewish audience to understand that from Joseph's line, or rather from Abraham's line, you can track uh, yourself to um, to Jesus, to Joseph. In fact, then quite literally, what does that mean? But <laughs> Abraham is Joseph's great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather yeah, yeah. <laughs> 40 times over, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and think about that, right? We know Abraham as this great all-time patriarch with the, you know, in that great covenant made between he and God in Genesis 12. Joseph is his 40 times over grandson. I mean, think about that. So he's then in the lineage of Isaac and, and Jacob and all of these great figures in the Old Testament. 
And but it's just not that mark. That was certainly important for uh, the faithful Jew because from that line would come forth, you know, the, the the shoot of Jesse. So that was all important. But what does the gospel message affirm? That he Mark was a just man. There is no greater mm-hmm. affirmation in all of the biblical text than calling one just. Uh, the only the only figure in the Old Testament, although he was a sinner, we don't have him on record sinning, he was Joseph, the Old Testament Joseph. And, and how did they identify him? He was just, right? Uh, Joseph, New Testament Joseph, he was just this, this profound uprightness, if you will, this deep, deep holiness of abiding in that perfect complementary of, of mercy and justice. Uh, this was St. Joseph. So he, he receives this great affirmation, and this is the man, the father, who was with his wife, Mary, looking for Jesus. Uh, and I, I love it, Mark, when you really start to think about the grandeur of what we're talking about, because what we know of Jesus is in, what, three years? <laughs> All of that was hinged to what but his previous 30 years of growing in obedience and and wisdom and stature, right? So, 30 years, and certainly this is an affirmation of the sanctity of the family, right? But mark the sanctity of the family living in a a kind of quiet holiness, as Pope Paul VI once said. You know, (laughs) this just, this living in anonymity, this, this silent holiness of just going about their business, doing what God was asking them to do, um, uh, with, with the paparazzi, the farthest thing from their location. It was just about doing as God had asked them to do, which was always first about being who they were called to be in light of of who they were. Right? So, um, when you reflect upon Joseph, certainly it's to appreciate that he comes from a great line. Right? But also he was a man of justice. And here, Mark, I think we can begin to really get at the heart of what this reflection ought to be about with respect to uh, St. Joseph. And I had teased earlier uh, this year of St. Joseph, December 8th, 2020, uh, Pope Francis promulgated a year devoted to St. Joseph where we might increase in our devotion to St. Joseph, uh, the great saint. And as we do come to ponder, Mark, the virtues of this man, right? The, 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 the virtue of courage, the virtue of tenderness, the virtue of resolve, right? The, the virtue to be the father, foster father, who he was called to be. Well, and there's got to be humility there, Joe. You know, mm, to, to be a foster father, you know, um, a few different things that stood out to me because, you know, earlier we were discussing you know, and Jesus grows in wisdom and age and stature, and he was obedient to his mom and dad. Uh, but he had to have had those things witnessed to him. Jesus had to have seen what it looked like in the day, you know? And so we, we jump from the Gospel of Luke to the Gospel of Matthew. You referred to Matthew earlier, you know, and we see in the Gospel of Matthew the flight to Egypt, you know, in Matthew's account, he writes, When they had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. In a dream. Now, yeah. in, again, Hebrew culture, uh, the Lord used dreams to speak to his people relatively often. 
But mm-hmm. in the dream, the, the Lord appeared to Joseph in the dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. Uh, Herod's going to search for you and the child to destroy him. Uh, Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. He was obedient, Joe. He mm-hmm. was obedient mm-hmm. when it was uh, really inconvenient. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it traveled by night. Um, but a, a, a man, I mean, what a man. <laughs> That's the phrase that comes to mind. What a man for us mm. Uh, mm. to emulate and mm. to see this is what, you know, this, what does it look like to be a man of God in our day? Let's look mm. to Joseph. There's a reason mm. Pope Francis is a uh, call for this uh, year of St. Joseph. You know, but I, as you were talking, I also, the word that came to mind is integrity. You know, and I, I know, as, as you've given, I love how you dip into giving the, the Latin and the Greek to some of these words, kind of digging into the etymology a little bit. You know, the Latin, the etymology of integrity uh, breaks down from the Latin word integer or integritas, but it means intact. Intact, whole. Joseph is a whole man. He's, mm-hmm. he's a man of integrity. It means he's whole. Uh, in the sense, he's grounded. He's of the earth. Again, and then, of course, then the root word of humus, of the earth, humility. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it all ties together, and we see this, uh, what Joseph models for us. He was, but not just for us, but what he models in particular, what I wanted to get at, it was for Jesus and for Mary. Did not want to expose her to shame. You know, right when she was found with baby, and he was like, that's, I mean, in all human reality, he knew that's not mine, but did not want to expose her to shame, and so was going to quietly uh, divorce her. And But then again, the Lord spoke to him again in a dream, and he was faithful and obedient again. Mm-hmm. So this, this witness, one of the things that stands out to me is, you know, this is, this is 12 years before Jesus came to be, or before the reflection we've had today with Jesus, 12 years old. It found in the temple and asking his mom and dad questions when he was asked questions. Joseph was a man that was intact, whole, faithful, obedient years before this, this new scene in the temple. So this was a constant witness for Jesus as, as a baby, as a boy, um, seeing this kind of integrity, this, this father who loves him and it's a foster father, uh, you can't see me in the studio, but right now I'm looking up as if I'm Jesus looking up at his dad. <laughs> anyway, yeah. You know, you know yeah. just that, that whole, but that visual, that witness, um, Joseph talking to Jesus, Jesus talking to Joseph, Joseph teaching him, Here, here's how you build things. This is the trade of carpentry. Um, and just that, that regular day-to-day interaction was right. And it was holy. I mean, again, the phrase, like, what a man. Uh, does it mean we all have to be carpenters? No. <laughs> um, hmm. But in a certain sense, I mean, Lord knows, I'm not a handy guy, so now apply this to our day, you know, and I say, what a man. Joe, I'm not, it is not my first interest to be a handy guy, but I really have come to appreciate it. I can't tell you how many times I've asked for St. Joseph's intercession to Mm. show me, you know, if this has a role in who I'm called to as a man who is called to protect and provide, show me how Mm. to do this. And in that, I've, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot from my own father-in-law, uh, some of my brothers-in-law, you know, and I say that nothing against my own family. I've just, I've lived away from them for over 20 years. Sure. You know, and so it, it's, there's so much that St. Joseph can show us now hmm. in so many ways. 
Yeah, Mark, you speak to something there that that's just uh, really essential to this discussion. In that, when when Joseph and Mary found Jesus in the temple and inquired, you know, why would you do this? And he responded as he did. That I like the phrase "inconvenient obedience." You know, if we were to tie two mm. words you used together, yeah. "inconvenient obedience." This was a conversation that's not new insofar as they didn't know each other, right? This is, they've been interacting every day for 12 years. And so this is a conversation that's, you know, that's adding on to an already existing conversation that was um, obviously holding good, right? So uh, that's widely important because uh, what happens when uh, parent and child are not on the same page and there's a quote-unquote, you know, confrontation, things begin to disintegrate. Well, you use the word integrity, Mark, as exactly. a whole. Exactly. <laughs> Disintegrity, right? Disintegrity right. is a lack of the whole. There was no disintegration going on here in their, in their relationship. Rather, it became more whole, um, which is a fruit um, and a sign that things were good there. Um, which is, again, I, I think that points to the, the uh, just not Joseph and Mary, but even more specifically as we reflect upon St. Jo- Joseph. He understands, Mark, he, he understood certainly, and, and we can draw from this, that, and, and Pope Francis talks about this in, in his document for the, for the um, special year, that every child is the bearer of a unique mystery, a unique mystery that only can be brought to light with the help of a father who respects that child's freedom. That is a father who realizes that he is most a father and educator at the point when he sees that his child has become independent and can walk the path of life uh, unaccompanied, so to speak, right? In other words, when he becomes like St. Joseph, who always knew that his child was not his own, but had merely been entrusted to his care. So, St. Joseph is is kind of entering into this new dynamic of, of his relationship with his son, um, but one that has been built upon something that has already been, um, that was already there, right? And I think as fathers, we can draw on that point for sure. Amen, Joe. Hey, Joe, we got to bring our show to an end. It's already at that point. Um, well, that was we, fast. It was. It was. We, we've spent the last hour uh, trying to dig into one scripture passage in the great role of Joseph. I do want to end on just a couple of quotes. What what have some of our saints had to say about St. Joseph? Pope Leela XIII says, Whereas Adam and Eve were the source of evil which was unleashed on the world, Joseph and Mary are the summit from which holiness spreads all over the earth. John Paul II, the second says, Devotion to St. Joseph is one of the choicest graces that God can give to his soul, for it is tantamount to revealing the entire treasury of our Lord's graces. Amen. St. Joseph, pray for us. Pray for us. God bless you, Joe. God bless everyone today. Have a great day. This has been Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Awaken comes to you every second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Want to listen to the show again? You can find the podcast any time of the day or night on our website at realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or on the Real Presence Radio app in the podcast section. Again, that's realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or in the free Real Presence Radio app. 
Be sure to join us again next time for more Awaken with Mark and Dr. Joe Hullcraft. 